This is Daily Path Podcast. I'm your host, podcast coach, and transformational speaker, Joe Winters Jr. Now I've been in this business a long time. God gave me the gift of a strong mind. And when I step foot on a path, the good and the bad, they just come by. Never done trying. I do it, I do it. Till each time I do it, it's done right. Ooh. And God left his signature on me. So how could I ever be unsigned? See, everyone has got a gift. Not anonymous, but God given. What's up, everybody? It's Joe and it's Junior, the founder of Daily Path Academy and your host of Daily Path Podcast. Welcome back to the show. And thank you for joining me this morning. Quick reminder, if you are a speaker, coach, or consultant looking to build a top-rated podcast that's inspiring lives around the world while generating recurring revenue for your business, I'd love to be the person to show you how you can do that. You can visit my website, www.joewintersjr.com to book a free discovery call with me today. Now, on today's podcast episode, I am joined with Paul Slizer who is social entrepreneur coach and the founder of Awarepreneurs. And today um, I'm joined by a special guest because he's not only a guest, but he has a, he is a friend that I have come to know. Paul, how are you doing? Uh, Joe, thank you for having me on the show and just want to celebrate what you're doing with your podcasts and all. I, I know what it takes to build a podcast and um, it's a wonderful thing. It's an incredible act of service and you do it incredibly well. So yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Um, I know we're going to be talking about increasing your positive impact and quality of life. Um, but first, I would like for you to share um, with um, me and my viewers um, a little bit about Awarepreneurs, uh, because I'm very aware that you are in the podcast space, as you mentioned, and you're doing some phenomenal things as well. And so if you don't mind, can you please start with um, sharing with us what and why you do what you do with Awarepreneurs. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah, starting with why. Simon Sinek told us, if you want to be a great leader, start with why, right? <laughs> so why do I do the podcast? And that'll answer, like, what is it all about? Right, right. So wisdom teachers around the world from many traditions, Joe, tell us that as human beings, our single most precious asset is our attention. What we give our attention to is incredibly important. Mm. And in a modern economy, most of us work more than we do anything else with our waking hours, right? You and I are both dads, right? right. So I love my daughter. Right. I work more than I spend time with my daughter and my family. I love my friends. We were talking about I'm an ultra marathoner. I spend a lot of time training to be an ultra marathoner. I work more. What, what's an ultra marathon for the people? <laughs> Somebody who runs more than 26 miles. That's right? a lot so, of training. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I trade a lot and I'm a gardener and I am involved in my community, right? And I work more than anything else I do. And I personally work less than the large majority of humans, at least in the United States. Mm. So the reason I say that is when you think about some of the things that are going on, or at least when I think about some of the things that are going on in the world that I don't like, whether it's climate change or what's going on with some of the racial dynamics in the United States or whatever it is, um, environmental issues, right? We just got a code red report from some of the smartest humans on planet earth right? The scientists at the International Panel on Climate Change done through the auspices of the United Nations. There's a, some messes out there. And a lot of those messes have been significantly contributed to by humans working in ways that don't align with their values. Mm. So when I was thinking about, you know, what do I want to do? I had a first career in community mental health burned out. And I was like, 
I need to find a way to help harness the energy of business for good. I didn't even have the language of social entrepreneurship 15 years ago. It's almost 15 years ago. There's an incredible amount of power if you pull on that lever because humans are at work Mm. most of their waking hours. And if we're working in ways and we have research, just take a look at the Gallup disengagement and engagement data research. Um, it's, that's the language they use. People who are in disengaged at work don't feel like their values are being well-respected there. Right. If you have a large proportion of humans, Gallup tells us the majority of humans in America are disengaged at work. They don't feel like the work aligns with their values. Right. Then you get the world we have, right? With, with some of the beautiful things, but also a lot of the problems. And if we could right. get more humans working in ways that line up with their values, the world changes. It seems mm. really easy and, and simple to right. me. You know, just pull on that rubber really hard. So the way I do that is go find people who are doing fabulous work in the realm of business for good and ask them how they do it. Mm. Um, so that's that's the simple version of Entrepreneurs has a community and a podcast, but everything I do is about helping people sync up their work with their values in a very, very deep way. Mm. That's major. That's huge. For some for someone that is listening right now on the edge of their seat and they want to do just that. Um, what steps would you would you give them practical steps that they could take starting today to do that? I was just saying, Joe, before we hit the record button, I just launched a brand new website literally yesterday as of this recording. And in that um, on that website, my free giveaway, right? A free ebook that I'll walk somebody through this for free. <laughs> uh, four questions. Ask yourself these four questions in this order. The first question is when we started with today, why? What are your core values and the impact? What's the dent in the world you want to make? Mm. Start there. Just like Simon suggests, start with why. The next question is ask yourself who. A mentor of mine says, when you try to help everybody, you wind up helping nobody. Right. 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 Like it's a beautiful thing to want to help everybody, but like, you know, there's certain ways, like for me, the lever I can pull on that moves the needle in terms of the direction of the world that I want to see for the children and the grandchildren is what happens at work. Cause it's just such a big, big engine on planet earth right now. So social entrepreneurs are the place where I can have the biggest impact. So let me figure out how to be useful to people who are already thinking about business and values, mm. right? business and impact doesn't mean that's the answer anybody else, but answer that question with some nuance and it's all going to go better than if you don't know who you're trying to help. Mm. The third question is what, what's the thing, right? How right. are you going to help them? Is it their podcasts, what, what right. product or service or in what, in what nuanced way are you going to help somebody, right? right? The technical name for this and someplace like Silicon Valley would be product market fit, mm. knowing who you want to help then you can design something that's customized for that person. And they'll say, they'll see your care. They can feel it, right? You, mm. How did you start your podcast, Joe? You said, <laughs> if you're A, B, or C, what was A, B, or C, Joe? You know right. your who. Speaker, speakers, coaches, or consultants. Exactly. <laughs> that's your who. You've answered that question. And then right, you, right, have, right, right. you have some what's, right? You right. Have this wonderful, wonderful community, right? Don't try to figure out what you're going to bring into the world until you understand who you want to help. Then Mm -hmm. once you have who you want to help and you have some clarity about what 
the thing is, what the mechanism, the delivery mechanism for being mm. of service, then think about how. How do you communicate what it is that you've created? And really, it's as simple as telling the story. Here's why I created it. Here's right. who it's for. And here's what it does. Right. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Thank what, what would what would you say in your world? What does a optimal quality of life look and feel like? What, what we know, let's just acknowledge that massive numbers of people are asking that question as we're doing this recording right now, Joe. Some right. people are calling it the great resignation. Other people are calling it the great reshuffling. The mm. short version is that due to COVID, it was kind of like a an enforced mm. values clarification retreat. We just paused, right? And it, many of us, not all of us, I was certainly blessed. Um, some essential workers still had to go to a physical location, right? And I, right. my deep hats off. But even then, right. it was like, go to work and then come home, right? Like, there was a lot of time to reflect and be with our closest loved ones. And a lot of us were like, Mm, my quality of life, isn't it what I want it to be? And again, work is one of the places that if we were out of balance, that was the prime uh, right. <laughs> indicator of the, the bucket that is probably wants some attention if we were feeling like our quality of life is less. And mm. millions of people are leaving their jobs. And we have research that in the American workforce, about 62%. In other words, almost two thirds right. of American workforce right now is seriously considering leaving their jobs. And a big reason why is the quality of life. They're like, oh my God, right. I was so out of balance. And now that I actually paused and caught my breath, right. I can't go back to this. Uh, people right. are launching their own businesses. Right. Anyway, so let's just right. acknowledge this is a big, 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 right. big question right now. Right. So what do you do about that? I, I want to add to that really fast. Though. Yeah, go for it. One thing, too, that has occurred within this last like 12 to 16 months, 18 months that I find very interesting is people's acknowledgement that they'd rather be paid less to work from home and have more flexibility than to be paid more and deal with what was normal pre-COVID. So yes. just want to add that in. Absolutely. A social entrepreneur who's just awesome recently posted she's an awarepreneurs community member she posted a job and it was a marketing job so on the surface it was social media things you might expect and guess how many people applied joe how many 140 Ooh. she cut it off at 140 and this is not 140 a month it was almost as soon as she turned it on why two reasons one is it was values aligned it's mm. just a fabulous company doing really powerful impact work. And number two, you could work from anywhere, mm. unlimited vacation, or just like get the work done. Right. Nobody's like micro match. She's an awesome leader. She's done a lot of work in terms of right. how she supports her team and emotional intelligence, right. fabulous human creating a great work culture. The money's good, but not great. It's not right. as competitive as a multinational marketing position. So it pays less. Right. But the quality of life is there and the values right. are there. And people who are making two, three, four times as much would be like, yes, can I have that job? Right. 140 of them before she turned it off and stopped right. taking applications. Right. right. 
So that's amazing. You know, the, the, the simple answer is look for your values and then look for positions where people are paying attention to things like, you know, what are the expectations of working hours? What are the expectations in terms of the uh, culture? You yeah. now know that culture has a vast uh, influence on our quality of life. Is it a culture where people are working 100 hours a week? Or is it a culture where people like go home at the end of a reasonable day, whatever that reasonable is in, to you or to that culture? And then they go spend time with their kids, just like you were talking about <laughs> you do with your daughter. Right. <laughs> no, that's right. Let, let me ask you. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm aware that like, okay, with, with COVID occurring, that more than ever, it seems as if people are starting to think like, what is it that they really want, right? Like COVID put us in a state where more people actually thought about it as opposed to pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, would you say that everybody should be thinking of that now because COVID has made it easier. And if they wait too long, it's only going to get harder because things would become more competitive with the new normal mm. or not necessarily. It's a great question. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it's my place to answer that. Honestly, Joe, like <laughs> the way, the way I would answer it is like, I know who I work with. I work with early adapters. I work with people mm. who can't not have meaning and purpose in their life. They just can't. I, I, I can't. I can't right. go to work in a place where I don't feel like my quality of life, which is off the charts. I'm so blessed to live where I live and how I live. Right. And the people that I'm helping when I go to work every day, it's off the charts. They're doing incredible things, really working hard, not giving lip service. You know, I call it putting green lipstick on a pig and calling it your sustainability plan. Not, that doesn't cut it for me. It also doesn't cut it for a lot of others. If somebody's kind of hemming and hawing about quality of life and meaning and purpose, they're like, I wish them well. I, I can say with a good degree of clarity, if you're really like, eh, I could go or I could stay, that's one thing. If you're hanging on to the paycheck, but it's like grinding your soul on the pavement, we know what that does to your well-being. Right. So let's not play games. If you're like, if you're genuinely like, okay, you know, I might be happier if, but I'm like at an 8.5 out of 10, like, is there any mm. big uh, initiative or rush that they should change? No. But if you're honestly unhappy and you're at a two out of 10 and you're mm -hmm. just clinging to the paycheck or you're scared to make a change, I'm just going to say it. It's going to show up in your life either in your physical well-being, your mental well-being, mm. your emotional well-being, or your spiritual well-being, guaranteed. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, agreed, agreed. What, what, has, what, what has been the biggest struggle that you have had to overcome as an entrepreneur? Oh, what a great question. The, there's a book that, uh, what's her name? It's called Mindset. Is it Carol Dweck? I believe it's Carol Dweck. And she calls, there's kind of two basic mindsets when we're approaching something new. She calls it a fixed mindset or a learning mindset. Such mm. a great, it's a lot of research about it. Fabulous book, easy read. So my biggest hurdle was, you know, my original training is in community mental health. I have zero formal business training. I have a, a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in counseling psychology. 
It was an awesome program. It was very innovative. It was based on mindfulness and awareness. And if anybody's heard of John Kabat-Zinn, who's like considered the grandfather or a big leader in the mindfulness movement, he was 12 miles down the road from where I went to school. And he was mm. the mentor for many of my professors. Mm. It was an incredible training. And I'm so glad I have it. And when I was reinventing myself as a social entrepreneur before I had words for that, I didn't know that exact frame, but that's what I was doing 15 years ago. I had a master's degree in counseling. I had run a nonprofit. I had done a lot of innovative work like restorative justice and other practices in marginalized communities. I was a social enterprise leader before I had the term. I was getting grants, like I was doing all the things that entrepreneurs do, but my self-talk was, I don't know anything about business. I don't have an MBA. I don't know anything about marketing. I have no training in this, mm -hmm. but I was trying to figure out how to do it. So the biggest hurdle I faced was like, somehow there was part of me that felt like I didn't get the business gene. My dad is literally an accountant. He was a chief financial officer, you know, big companies. And I was like, my dad got the genes. I didn't get the genes. I'm a counselor. I like people. I'm very passionate and, and I'm willing to, learn and do innovative things. But I had this huge fixed mindset that I'm not a business leader, or I can't, you know, that it's not a learnable skill, I just didn't get the gene. Now I understand it's a learnable skill. And 15 years later, I feel very comfortable calling myself an entrepreneur. But 15 years ago, and even 12 years ago, or even 10 years ago, right. the biggest thing was, I felt like I couldn't do it because I hadn't learned the skills yet. I'd rather framing it as I need to learn the skills. I framed it as a fixed thing. And that caused an incredible amount of friction and pain in my life. Mm, mm. So you, 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 you read and, and began to de develop really like your, your mind and the way that you viewed it. It seems that if you shift your perspective, shift your identity, um, so that way you can move forward, but can, can you, do you mind sharing like, you know, um, in that process, um, some things you had to do, like, did you have to, you know, perhaps like remove some people from your circle? So that way you can shift your mindset and identity. Did you have to start like going to bed earlier? Right. Like what you write, like, 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 what were some of the things that like you put to the test in this realization to develop? What a great question, Joe. A couple of things come to mind. One is, yeah, I definitely started, I needed to find my way into new networks. The way we talk about it in the social entrepreneur world is ecosystems. I was in a nonprofit ecosystem where the mindset is I'm doing good work, so give me a grant. Mm. Give me some government fund, give me a contract. But it was like that it was a disconnect between the who you were helping and who was funding that work. So mm. I, had to, I had to join ecosystems where people understood it's okay to be super helpful to somebody with a product or service and then ask them to pay for it. Right. A reasonable market rate. And again, I came from 15, 20 years of not asking that question. So I needed to join ecosystems where that was a regular um, learnable skill and people were good at it and be in those conversations and build those muscles. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was one. Number two is I needed to own. I'm not, I, I'm an introvert. I, I like to say I'm an introvert who loves people. It's I'm not, 
it's not my natural habitat to like get on a stage, grab the mic and say, let me tell you about what I have to say. Um, I have this wisdom that's been built over years, but my style is an introvert style. So, and it took me a while to realize that's not a deficit. If anybody is looking for a good book on this, Susan Cain's book, Quiet, The Power of Introverts. She actually documents in that book that introverts in many cases are better leaders. But mm. the cultural narrative is the Tony Robbins of the world, the people who are living, he's a big guy, if anybody's right. ever seen Tony Robbins, yeah, right? he's yeah, a yeah. really big guy, right? Um, and he's got a lot of energy, right? And, and that's a great leader. It's nothing to say there's anything wrong, but that's the cultural narrative what a leader should be in many modern business environments. Mm. And that's not my style. Right. I'm much more comfortable, you know, sharing somebody else's thing, or it's just the introverts show up differently. And that's, right. and I didn't understand the strengths of that and how that could be effective as a leader and as a marketer, as an introvert. And that book really helped me shift. Oh, being an introvert isn't a deficit. It's actually research-based that introverts in general are better leaders and get better outcomes because mm. we don't grab the mic and say, let me tell you what I have to say. Right, right. Ah, that, that's, that's, that's major. What, what, what would you say to someone who is starting their entrepreneurial journey? They know who they want to serve. They know how they want to serve them. They know what they want to do for the person that they want to serve. Um, but they are struggling with confidence. So in all actuality, they have the competence. They don't have the competence. Or I'm sorry, they have the competence, don't have the confidence. The confidence, yeah. Yeah, there okay. we go. Competence, Great. no confidence. What would yeah, you say yeah. to them? Three things. One is, again, your ecosystem, right? And there's so, you can tell I'm a research guy. I'm a geek, <laughs> right? Um, there's so much research that if we want to change anything in our life, whether it's getting fitter or getting a degree or whatever it is, single biggest predictor of success if we're bridging into something we haven't done before is social support right the humans we surround ourselves matter profoundly one of the reasons i can be an ultra marathoner is because i have an awesome little crew that we run together and we don't just <laughs> run together we talk while we're like real talk like what's really going on in your life right right, right. um i love those humans and we happen to run so i run a lot because they're awesome humans right? right right so it, it social support helped me go from a guy who is used to being in the gym i'm not haven't been a runner that long it's only been three or four years but like i really love it partially because right. i live in new mexico and it's gorgeous here but partially <laughs> because these humans are awesome right social support number two is treat the thing as a learnable skill and not as a fixed mindset like i was talking about earlier you're not right. broken it's not that you can't do it it's likely that you are being asked to have certain skills that you haven't built yet so go mm. build them right, right. It's not that when we say I don't have the confidence, we're saying it in such a way that it can be fixed as opposed right. to like, oh, if I did X, Y, and Z better, then I would feel more confident. Right, right. So what are those very specific skills for me? For example, one of them was marketing. I didn't know how to do it. And it's, all I had as a reference point was like somebody screaming at TV at me that I should go buy a car from him. And I hated it, right? Turn the channel. If that's marketing, I suck at marketing, right? <laughs> But like, as you and I both know, podcasting can also be awesome marketing. And I love right. talking to people and I'm really good at deep conversation, right? And telling stories and identifying key points and 
helping people like unpack what they've done really well in their businesses. And that's marketing too, but I didn't know that. So I just right. had to learn some skills and now right. I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. I could totally market. Right. Right. So that's another one. And then another piece is if we really pay attention, this is something in most of the spaces I move that are, um, that's not talked about much, Joe. I'm a big fan about something called product market fit. A lot of time entrepreneurs who say they're not confident, I understand it and I don't want to dismiss it. There is an emotional element to being confident, but I would also say that a lot of entrepreneurs who on the surface feel like it's a confidence issue are actually dealing with a friction issue. Mm. Mm. And the friction is that what they're trying to sell and who they're trying to sell it to aren't completely synced up. If it's really mm. synced up, people buy it like right. really, without a lot of friction, it's pretty easy. And when you have that experience, your confidence goes up. Oh, right. all they have to do is open up my mouth to the right people and tell them what it is and why I built it. And then they buy it. And right. then it's easy. Right. A lot of times the, what's framed as a confidence issue is actually people are like, oh my gosh, this is a lot harder to sell this thing than I had originally planned. And now I feel like I got to push it harder. I got to like amplify it more or mm. like say the right words or tell the right mm. story or what's my mess not branding matters messaging matters i don't want to minimize it but if right. you're ex if you've done a little bit of work about some of those issues what is your market if you don't have a marketing strategy well, okay well it makes sense that you're struggling right. to sell the thing but right. if you've tried a few things and it's not working it may not be your competence it may be that there's a more amount of friction in your product market fit. And if mm. you fix that, then you start selling stuff and your confidence goes up. Mm. You know, I love that. And I have to attest to it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, because yeah, there definitely is the emotional element, but in business, what I've learned, even in my experience and just watching others is it, it definitely is the product market fit. Like once that is in sync, things are, are much easier. Like you don't feel like you're climbing an uphill battle that you didn't have to climb. So I, I certainly agree with that. Uh, and then uh, one thing that I've, I've come to realize after getting over that hump that I would like to talk to talk, uh, speak about and, and, and talk to you on is um, once you start getting the clients, right? You start getting the people and then you start realizing, huh, all clients are not made equal. Some, some, some clients will actually compromise or get me to compromise my quality of life in your experience when you are working with clients or in the past i would imagine it, it probably doesn't happen as much to you now but um in your experience when you have worked with a client that um the way in which they operate for whatever reason um begins to harm your quality of life yeah what, what, what would be your advice to that startup entrepreneur who's likely to face that at some point? You and I both oh, totally. know. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't fired a client in a while, Joe. I fired a client not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Um, and I haven't done that in a while because I've gotten more clear about who I want to work with and what the processes are and the literal written agreements I have. Right. Some of that was less clear in the past. It's just, I, I built out certain systems and people I like, go listen to the podcast. And like, you know, you right. get the sense of what I do and who I do it with. And if it right. doesn't fit people, but anyway, yeah. So I fired a client um, probably a month ago now. 
right? So it still happens. It's much less common. And it was for this reason, it just like, because there was more friction there than you can tell Paul Zelizer thinks a lot about friction, right? <laughs> um, and let me tell a story and, and this will help answer how I think about it. I'm talking about what I do now in the running space, but I just really started running as like its own sport for me about three years ago. I moved to Albuquerque, I had been in Santa Fe, it's about an hour apart. Um, my daughter went off to college and I was ready to live in a bigger city. Santa Fe is like 60,000 people. Albuquerque is like, depends on who you ask. And, you know, the Metro might be 800,000, 600,000, depending on who you ask. I was ready. And there's a lot of social entrepreneur stuff going on. I wound up in Santa Fe because when my daughter and um, um, my daughter's mom and I divorced, like I didn't want to leave New Mexico. Um, I had actually been in rural New Mexico. Santa Fe was like, a little bit of a city when I was starting my business. There were a few people who had some idea of what I was doing. And it was close enough to my daughter that I could easily see her frequently. I didn't really choose it, although I was grateful to be there. But when she went off to college, I was like, no, nah, I'm ready, right? So I moved. And one of the things I did is started going to a meetup group where people were doing trail running. And at the end of six or seven miles, it was awesome. It was flat. Um, along the Rio Grande here, very beautiful, very flat. Every Friday night, we ran six or seven miles. And then I hopped into an Epsom salt bath because I was so sore that it was ridiculous. I'm now 53 years old. Then I was 50. So I was like, this is what I got when I'm 50 years old, right? Six, seven miles, good people, beautiful, can't complain. I'm healthy, gratitude city, and high five everybody and go take an Epsom salt bath. Well, I just told you I'm running more than 26 miles, right? And I don't, I feel great. The other day on Saturday, this past Saturday, I ran 16 and a half miles in these gorgeous, but very technical rocky canyons, not far from my house. Came home, felt great, ate a big meal. My girlfriend was here. She hadn't done much. And we went out for a five mile walk after I ran 16 and a half miles and I felt wow. great. What was the difference? Well, the buddy that I met through this particular um, meetup group is a running coach. And he started working with me on my form. And one of the things I didn't know, I was doing two things very common in the running world, but I didn't know I was doing them. One is I was heel striking. So for those of you who are looking at video, imagine every time your foot comes down, your heel hits first, your foot slams down, you decelerate through braking, and then you have to push off and recelerate and like you the right. start and stop. Right. It's like slamming on the brake and also yeah. overstriding. My strengths, uh, my strides were too long. And the combination is like, incredible amount of deceleration, incredible amount of friction. Every single step you might take at, who knows, you might take six to 10,000 steps, each of them with an incredible amount of friction on a six mile run, mm. maybe more, maybe it's eight, 10,000 steps. I haven't done the math, but anyway, it's somewhere in that ballpark, right? Usually I run about 162 um, steps a minute. It's called your cadence, right? So so multiply that in a 60 minute run. Yeah, let's call it 9,600. Yeah, a lot that's of a lot of steps. A lot, that's lot of a steps. lot of friction. Right? <laughs> a lot of steps. You take off the friction when as soon as I stopped heel striking and overstriding, I could run further. I could run faster. And when I was done running three times as long, I felt great. Mm. So when some element of my life now is feeling a lot of friction, including a client that, you know, I try to adjust, you know, I didn't like stop running when I had realized there's a lot of friction. I was like, oh, if I work on my form, 
now I can run and be in these beautiful places and hang out with these people. Let me see what happens. And right. you know, it took some time to undo literally lifetimes of movement patterns. So, right. so I've tried to look what's on my side first, if there's friction, but if I'm adjusting or like saying, Hmm, this is a little harder than it oftentimes is with my clients these days with a particular client. And it keeps me in friction and we keep trying to address it two or three or four times we come up with action steps and they don't do it. And then it's like, you know, they're upset, they're upset that they didn't get the results that they were hoping to get in our coaching. And we talk about that. If you, that's friction. Okay. We're done. Right. right? We're done. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, the term you use, which um, for listeners who aren't in the entrepreneur space or deep in it, firing a client, I know that could sound, you know, like something that's like done harshly, but you know, it's more so an empowerment word, right? Like it's, it's the fact that we as entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, you know, people that offer services um, have the power to say, you know what, this isn't working and um, we need to, uh, th this relationship needs to come to an end, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I say that to say, or, or to, to basically set this oop up, which is how do you fire a client without, being disrespectful yeah yeah that's a great question joe yeah I, I think it's being mindful in how we communicate hey look we tried to work on this i noticed you're not getting results you don't like you not getting results i don't like getting <laughs> you know it's creating stress and you know i don't like to take people's money if they're not getting the results that they're right. looking to get you don't like paying money if you're not getting the results <laughs> that you're looking to get this is a lose lose here right? Right, right this is just not working and and i i liked this person i told them that i really like you as a human i really do right, right. so it's not about putting them down it's just about keeping it really focused again if you know who you're trying to help and what you're trying to help them with, and we talked about that earlier, right. then you can track pretty quickly. Are you moving the needle in those domains of a human experience or not? And if you're not, you can just be honest about that. We're not, right. it's not moving or like, it's just taking so much work to move the needle, just a few millimeters right. <laughs> and this is hard on you and me and you don't want it hard and I don't want it hard. Right. This, let's either see if we can make some adjustments or if we've tried to make some adjustments. Let's just be kind to each other right. and just say we're not a good fit. And right. maybe there's some other people I know who'd be a better um, position to work with you at this time. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. Have you ever have you ever been in a place where you you go about it mindfully as you just um, explained, and you get pushed back in a not so mindful way? <laughs> has has that ever occurred? Oh, it totally has. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 what do you do? <laughs> I try to take it in. And, you know, one of the things I've got better at, Joe, is like, I'm not here to help every single human on the planet. Like, I just I... can't. I'm doing my best. I'm one human who's trying really hard to do a good job. I really strive for excellence. Mm. If I strive from that in any given moment, I apologize and try to take in and sometimes just human just like you know i got married to my daughter's mom who gets married has a kid and says yeah we're doing all this to get divorced like sometimes it just happens that humans who think they're fit to do something big together aren't 
I try to be kind to myself and other people when that's the case. Sometimes relationships, even when people try to end them mindfully, there's just a lot of hurt there or a lot of right. emotional charge. We all probably know somebody. I certainly know people right. where that's the case. You do your best to end it skillfully and own your part. And sometimes it goes that way and sometimes it doesn't. You try right. to learn from that and be more skillful the next time. If, like I said, it happens much less often now and it happens. Right. Right. And, and you put that eloquently. I, something I really want to highlight. You said um, you do your best to be um, graceful with yourself and with other people. I, and while it's important to be graceful with other people, I want to really highlight the with yourself part, because um, one thing I've learned in entrepreneurship is that we have to be, because we are looking to be high performers in a way that will contribute to the world that's not the norm, because obviously there's more employees than employers, right? right. Um, we have to learn how to extend grace to ourselves in a way that's not taught. It's not, it's not normalized. Right. right. And so, I mean, that's, that's huge. And, you know, me and you were talking about me setting boundaries in my schedule this year and how it's really increased the quality of my life and, and how it's also led to business breakthroughs because I'm no longer, you know, being hard on myself in the sense of, you know, okay, because you're trying to be a widely successful entrepreneur, you need to, you know, talk to people from sun up to sun down. I actually right. had to take a step back, extend grace to myself and say, okay, let's put, let's yeah. put boundaries on your schedule. Let's focus on, you know, what's most important in your relationship with your child and being the father that you need to be and, and then go from there. And, um, <laughs> you know, lo and behold, business is doing better than it was doing. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So two thoughts on this. One is my favorite book of at least the, the most impactful book, the book that's ac actually not just inspired me for a week, but literally led to long-term deep change in everything I do is the book Essentialism by Gregory McEwen. Essentialism by Gregory Essentialism. McEwen. McEwen. Okay. The Send me the link to that too. I'm going to include that into the, in the show notes. Yeah. The, uh, the subtitle is the disciplined pursuit of less. Okay. So one of the things you were talking about, Joe, is like meetings from sun up to sun down. One of the reasons I think there's less, call it bad breakups <laughs> in my life these days in terms of work is I'm more, I'm, I'm more skillful about managing energy. I say no more. I said, no, this morning, fabulous entrepreneur, really love what she's up to. Asked me to be on her board of advisors. And I said, no. Um, and I had a fight to say no, because I like what she's doing. I like her. I like who she's working with. I like the impact she's trying to have. And if I'm honest, I'm already overextended in terms of the amount of hours I want to work in terms of my quality of life and taking on another thing, even though on the surface, one could say, but it's just a board of advisors. It's not <laughs> that, it's not a huge commitment, but you know, when you add, you know, there, there enough straws on the camel's back and it breaks. And I've done that to myself. And then I show up depleted from the work that I actually get paid for and where my high performance is most wanted and needed and where there's right. the most return. And when I, don't practice the discipline pursuit of less, then I'm more tired. I deliver less in each thing I show up to, even if it's 
12% less or 5% less, that 12 or 5% makes a difference. It does. But when I show up with more energy and more clarity and more like, let's, let's do this, right? That's right. the energy I want to like, come on, let's go. Let's do this. Let's have our fun. Let's do our work and let's get some shit done. So right. I'm supposed to curse here. Right? Let's get oh, some no, stuff you can't. done. Go ahead. <laughs> um, that's my energy. And if I'm not in that space, it's usually because I'm bringing a depleted human to the conversation. And then I have more issues with conflict and underperforming for my clients. Mm, that's huge. That's huge. Um, man, we've really talked uh, uh, about a lot today that I know my viewers can implement in their life. I would love to finish with um, this question that I really love to ask, which is if you had two minutes to give the world, the entire world a message, like let's, let's, let's vision the whole world listening to this episode. Um, and you had two minutes to deliver a message to the entire world. What would you say? I've already said it, Joe. The single most impactful thing we can do for ourselves and the world is line up our values and what we do when we go to work. I love it. I love it. it. Paul, thank you for joining me. If you don't mind, can you share with my viewers where they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Uh, two places, Awarepreneurs, which is the podcast and our social entrepreneur membership community at awarepreneurs.com. And the second spot, my coaching work with social entrepreneurs is Paul Zelizer, Z-E-L-I-Z-E-R.com. Awesome. I will also be including both in the show notes. Paul, thank you for joining me. It was a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. And to my viewers, I hope um, you take something that you learned today and implement it in your life and in your daily path. Until next time, have a blessed day. I want to be unique, got more than my kid I could teach I want you to hear when I speak, I want to free People imprisoned by stigmas and popular common beliefs Don't want you to think, I want you to feel Look down inside you and tell me what's real If you're unsure, then you're uncured We only get one life, man, it's a big deal Do you love what you do? Hey, I wanted to jump on here really fast and say thank you for listening to today's episode I hope you got something from the message that you can use in your life if you are a mission-driven individual who wants to share your message and change lives, then I'd love to show you how building a podcast can help you do that. Please visit joewintersjr.com to book a free discovery call with me so I can help you out. If you are an organization looking to bring me in to speak with your team or at your next event, you can book me by visiting my website, joewintersjr.com and scheduling a free discovery call so we can talk about your expectations and what you want from me. I'd really love to serve you. Have a blessed day.